And good morning, everyone. We take this opportunity to welcome everyone to our services this morning, as today we talk about a subject that's entitled Christians and Christmas, why I love Christmas. Would you turn to Luke chapter 2, we'll be reading it from verses 1 through 21 in a moment, Luke chapter 2. Verses 1 through 21. Before we do that, I ask that you join us in prayer. Let us pray. Our blessed Heavenly Father, you are an awesome, you are a wonderful God. You saw a need and you created it. You gave us all that we need to be successful in our walk of faith. And when we fail, Father, you saw a need. And you gave us a Savior. And you let us know, Father, that it's through this Savior that you've given us, Father, we have the opportunity for redemption. And Father, we thank you for that. Father, we know that this Savior came to this earth. He lived, he suffered, he died for our sins, and he was resurrected. Just as we sang in the song, he conquered the grave. And Father, because of this power that he received from you, you've given us this power as well that if we would believe in this Savior, you as we will follow him, we will walk in faith. We too can conquer the grave. And Father, we're thankful for that. Father, the love that you give us each and every day, Father, we cannot give it back in any way as close as you've given to us. But Father, we know that we have a task in before us, and that is to love our fellow man as we go about the business of worshiping and glorifying and honoring you. And Father, we pray that as, a, as your children, as a family, we continue to do this each and every day of our life until the time comes when we will leave this earth. Father, we thank you for loving us and blessing us. These things we pray and thank you for in Christ Jesus' most holy name. Amen and amen. Luke chapter 2, verse 1, the Bible reads, In those days... A decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And this was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping a watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels 
went away from them into the heavens, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all of these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angels before he was conceived into the womb. This passage confirms a fact. This passage concerns, confirms the fact that Christ Jesus was born and that this is a biblical event. It recognizes this fact as legitimate. It recognizes it as spiritual. And in this, because we understand, accept, and believe this, it is not a sort of kind of a maybe. It is fact that Christ Jesus was born. These 21 verses describes the event of Christ Jesus' birth. The title of this lesson is Why I Love Christmas. But before I talk about why we love Christmas, there's some negative and positive things about it. And let's talk about the negative things for a while. Because, you see, there are several negative things about the celebration of Christmas that makes a lot of Christians uncomfortable. And I'm going to present those to you this morning. Number one, December 25th is not the day that Christ Jesus was born on. And I'm hoping that no one sitting in this room or listening on this telecast this morning is thinking that December 25th is the day that Christ Jesus was born. The Bible doesn't specify a date, and by the evidence that we have with the shepherds being out in the field tending their flock, it would have been more in the springtime when we had warmer climate and warmer nights. Number two, the popular feast that was, se- that was celebrated on December 25th were usually connected to pagan deities. So depending on the culture, all kinds of pagan gods were celebrated, they were worshipped, and they undersco- were underscored at this time of the year. Various nations held December 25th or whereabouts as popular feasts dedicated to the God of the Sun and other deities at that time. Today, number three, today this holiday is surrounded by so much commercialism. Did any of you drive around town yesterday? Did any of you look in the parking lots of the Costco's and the Walmarts, the et cetera, et cetera, and see the amount of cars that was out there? That's the commercialization of this day, of this season, I should say. Even people who don't believe in God are amazed at the commercialism attached to Christmas in America. Christmas accounts for more than one-third of all retail sales for the year. And certain businesses, if they don't have a good season doing sales during this season, they go under. For most people in society, Christmas means cash, not Christ. And that makes many devoted Christians uncomfortable, including myself, in participating in all of this. But perhaps we would feel a little bit better if we had a little bit more information about the background and the history of this event. December 25th was chosen, check this out, not by pagans, but by those 
Christians or would-be Christians as the birthday of Christ Jesus, although they knew it was not in the Bible. And they had two reasons for doing this. And I'm talking about a man like uh, Tertullian, who was, uh, who was called a Christian apologist. I'm talking about Constantine, who was in charge of the Nicene Council, who was seeing things where people were getting away from Christ and it was getting into everything else. And they decided, like Sarai, to do something about it to help God, which they shouldn't have. So, number one, they wanted to impress on the world, especially those who doubted the human nature of Christ, that he was born. That he was born of a woman, that he was born a natural birth. And to emphasize this, they chose a date, if you will. They chose December 25th, and they emphasized this as an idea that Christ Jesus was born on that day. Again, this was to counter a growing heresy that was going about at that time that Christ Jesus was only a spirit, that Christ Jesus wasn't really flesh. This is one of the early heresies in the church where they would say, yeah, Jesus did all of these things, but he was really a spirit. He only appeared, he was only an apparition. He was just like an angel that appeared to man. Yeah, Jesus is only a spirit appearing to man. This heresy, this false doctrine was actually spreading in the church. And one of the things that the early church did to counter this was to come up with a birthday. Jesus is not just a spirit. Christ Jesus was born of woman. Like all mankind, he was born naturally. So that's one reason they chose to date. Another reason, the early church wanted to help pagan nations accustom themselves to a Christian lifestyle by if you will, giving them a feast with a Christian significance to replace their old practices which occurred around the same time. Their religion, their culture were kind of all tied together so they thought, well, if we come up with a feast that is linked to Christianity, then many of the pagans that are that, that are converted to Christianity will be able to participate in something that they were familiar with. But we need to remember one thing. At the very beginning, Christmas was strictly a religious feast. It was strictly created to help unbelievers identify with Christianity. There were no Christmas presents. There were no Christmas trees. There was none of that stuff. That stuff came much, much, much later. At first, from a church perspective, Christmas was a religious observance. And, to, and so the commercialization, rather, of this holiday came many centuries later. Now, with this said, I don't want you to misunderstand me here. I don't want you to misunderstand me because, you see, what I'm saying is this right here. I believe and teach that Christians should not establish religious practices which cannot be supported by the Bible. We are the Bible people. We do Bible things. We do Bible things in Bible ways. And if the Bible doesn't give us authority to uh, authority or an example or a teaching to do something, to establish something, then we don't do it. The Bible teaches us to take the Lord's Supper, for example, which we just finished doing a little bit ago, on the first day of the week. And to use uh, emblems of unleavened bread and fruit of the vine. And we have an example to do that. We have an example when to do it. We have an example how to do it. We have an example of who is to do it. We have it. So we do that. 
But there's nothing in the Bible that tells us we must somehow underscore the birth of Christ Jesus in any way when we gather as a church. There's nothing in the New Testament which directs us in any way to celebrate, mark, or observe in any special way the birth of Christ. We have no instructions for that. As a matter of fact, it's the death that we, his death rather, that we commemorate with the Lord's Supper and his death and resurrection that we share when we are baptized. These are the only ceremonies in the church that we are authorized by the new, to do by the New Testament. But having said this, I do, however, I do think, however, that we shouldn't condemn the feast or the holiday as a strictly pagan commercial celebration. Now, I've heard people say that, yes, yeah, paganistic, it's commercial, and it's nothing to do. I've heard people say we can't even say Merry Christmas in the building. That's, that's very strict about that thing. But I believe that that's a bit overstatement of the facts. I see Christmas much like I see Thanksgiving. I really do. I see Christmas much like I see the 4th of July. Like Veterans Day, for example. What I mean by this? Well, it's a public holiday. And I think all of us with jobs take that day off and get paid for it. I've never heard of anyone turning that money back because it was Christmas vacation. Okay? I've never heard of that. Okay? So it's, a, it's something we celebrate for important things. For example, Thanksgiving reminds us of the many blessings that we have. There's no command in the Bible that we should have such a holiday. But some of us feel that it's not okay to celebrate specifically what the Bible tells us to do in a general way. And I'm referring here to uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18. What does it say? In everything give thanks. We always give thanks when we're praying, when we come together. As a nation, we give thanks once a year, let's say, during these celebrations. I like that holiday. It's in the spirit of Christ Jesus. I like Veterans Day, not just because I'm a veteran. I like Veterans Day because it allows us to honor those to whom honor is due because of their service to this country. Even though there's nothing in the Bible that says we must do that. The Bible does say that we should render honor to whom honor is due. And in this country, we believe that our veterans are owed honor. Why? for having offered their lives in order to guard and protect our freedom. That's a valid holiday, and we can celebrate it, if we wish, with enthusiasm and as a Christian. Now, I said the title of this lesson was Why I Love Christmas, right? So, let's talk about that. Christmas, think about it for a moment. Christmas Day is able to do what no other feast is able to do. And those are the things I want to share with you. Number one, Christmas time, this time of the year, is the only time of the year when the whole world acknowledges in their own way the reality of Christ Jesus' birth. In Luke 2, as we read earlier, we read the account of the birth of Christ Jesus. We read other places in the Bible where we can read the account of his conception. And anybody who reads and believes the Bible can find out these facts about his, his conception, about his birth, and see the great incarnation mystery of God 
becoming man. And they can watch it develop right before their very eyes and hearts. But you see, most of the world don't read their Bibles or don't have a Bible even to read or even have access to one or someone who can teach them about the birth of Christ Jesus, who is the Savior, who is, we believe, the Son of God. For most people in the world, this news, this information, this teaching comes to them through the event of the Christmas holiday. Imagine that. I mean, we have before us the Word of God, print in printed form, in technology, 100% proof Bible. But you know what? It's only 100% proof if that Bible, that scripture is open up, let's say to Luke verse chapter 2, and we read it to them, allow them to read it for themselves. And when they do, they get the entire story of the incarnation of Jesus Christ. God made man 100% powerfully given to them. But for many people, Christmas holiday, the Christmas feast, the Christmas idea, is as close as they get to what we believe, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So what is our job? What is our job? Our job, then, as Christians, is not to complain about the pagan history or the commercialization of this holiday, but rather take advantage. Take advantage of the one time when the whole world is paying attention to Jesus. Take advantage by doing what? By helping them see that this baby Jesus eventually grew up and died for their sins and rose from the dead to prove that he was indeed the Son of God. More than anything else. We should make sure that the feast celebrates, on, concentrates rather on Jesus and not Santa Claus. Not, I mean, I'm talking about in our homes. So what I'm saying is this. Let's remember that Jesus, and this is an old saying, I know, but let's remember that Jesus is the reason for the season. Let's remember that Jesus is the gift. It's our gift from God that keeps on giving and giving, and what it gives is eternal life. Let us remind everyone else of this fact as well. You know, it's a great opportunity this time of the year we have. We have this opportunity to invite people to worship more so this time of the year than any other time. And what better time than this time of the year to say to a friend, hey, wouldn't you like to come to church with me? Wouldn't you like to come to church with me during this season and hear about this Jesus? What a wonderful opportunity to invite someone to come and really find out information about this Jesus. What a, a wonderful time to say to someone, hey, it's Christmas. Would you like to have a Bible study? I could give you more information about the birth of Christ Jesus than you can say to them than Disney can, okay? Or movies that don't, that, you know, or the movies that don't suggest, don't suggest, but I could give you the whole story of the birth of Jesus. And you can say to them, it's quite amazing. It's an opportunity when there's a little crack in the wall of disbelief that opens up just for a few moments, once a year, and then it closes back just as quick. But we have the opportunity when that little crack is there to step up to the person and say, let me tell you about this Jesus. Let me teach you about this Jesus. Another reason why I like Christmas. It's the time of the year when people want to do good. Do you ever notice that? It's a time of the year when people are motivated to do good. You know, 
And that's good. We as Christians, we live to please God and try to do this by loving other people. This is the main objective of, 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 of our lives, if you will. But we live like this year round. But these individuals, they have that open in there. And they're trying to do it just for a short period of time. And that's our opportunity. Non-Christians don't have the spiritual commitment. They don't have the spirit of God within them, motivated them toward these things. They don't live for God. They live to please themselves or at least they have human goals and ideas or perhaps false notions about God. But Christmas, for some reason, even motivates non-believers to do good, just for his own sake. I like a holiday that does that. That's why I like Thanksgiving. It motivates people to be grateful and, 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 and you know what? Being grateful is the first step toward knowing God. I love it when people say, I sure have a lot. I have a wonderful wife. I have a wonderful husband. I have these great kids. I've been so lucky. What an opportunity to bust right in and tell them you have all of this stuff because of God through Jesus Christ. That's why I like Thanksgiving. I like Christmas because people have the attitude. Well, it's Christmas. Come on. Let's be generous. I like that. That's a good thing. Christmas motivates non-Christians to do good just for its own sake. Think about it. If you read, the, you read statistics, more charity is done at Christmas time than any other time of the year. Television and all formats and media have less violence and more stories about love and kindness and altruism. When people say, let's watch a Christmas movie, Barbara... When people say, let's watch a Christmas movie, what do you think they mean? Well, between you and me, let's be honest. Some of those movies are pretty cheesy, right? It's like, okay, they're, going to be, they're not going to be winning the Academy Award for any of their acting. You watch them, and you can tell within the first four minutes, okay, he's going to be with her, she's going to be with him, and yeah, got it. But you watch them anyway. Why? One reason because Barbara tells me, okay? <laughs> but because you know it's a Christmas movie. It's going to be about good things. It's going to be about some grumpy, grouchy old guy that in the end turns out to be happy. We should always rejoice when good is done. At Christmas it's done indirectly in the name of the Lord. Why should we rob Jesus of his glory? Why should we? Even if it's offered without a complete understanding by those who don't know him intimately. So what? Why should we be the Scrooge and be upset if there is a feast that non-believers somehow mishandle our Jesus? I want to take you to uh, Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. We'll be reading that in a minute. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 12. While Paul was in prison, he wrote to the Philippian church. And in this letter, he discusses his notion and his reaction to those who were preaching the gospel, 
but they were doing it with the impure motives. Listen to what Paul says by inspiration. He says, in 1 Corinthians, I mean, it's Philippians chapter 1, verse 12, he says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Then in verse 15, some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. And the latter do it out of love, knowing that I am here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Again, we may not know all the details. They may not know all the details of Christ. They may not know all the book, chapter, and verse about his life, about his ministry, about his death, about his resurrection. The fact that the world is celebrating an historical event focused on Jesus, I rejoice in that. That's a good thing. That's a marvelous thing. Because you know why? Because there is some light connected with Christmas and his feast. And there is some light that shines into the world because of it. In a short moment, a for a short moment, for a short moment, the world feels the warmth of that light. So why begrudge them the thing that we have the privilege of enjoying all year round? They get only a little bit of it, just a little warmth of it, just for a few days. We get it 365, 24-7. We have it all year round. Why begrudge them of that? Why be upset with that? I know, I know and you know that the Christmas celebration does not save souls. Only the preaching of the gospel does that. But this holiday does exalt the name of Jesus Christ. And I am happy that my Lord is honored. And all of us should be honored as well. One final reason why I love Christmas. It's a time when family ties are strengthened. Our society puts great pressure on the family unit. How many single parents must manage all the work this season? How many families are being broken up during this Christmas season? How many families, how many individuals are alone at Christmas because of the loss of a partner by death or through illness? Christmas is a great holiday because it promotes the family. It promotes the home. It promotes the simple joy of being together with friends and neighbors. As a matter of fact, Next to the religious theme, the concept of love and family is the strongest message Christmas. In our secular world, many are trying to make Christmas a kind of a generic family holiday and delete any reference to Christ. There's a war on Christmas, but it's really not a war on Christmas. It's the same old war. It's a war on anything to do with Jesus that is good. 
Anything the world can do that, to crush that, anything that the world can do to undermine our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus, it will do it. And I know that many families use family gatherings at Christmas time, unfortunately, to eat too much, to drink too much. But we as Christians, we don't have to do that. We can find in this period a reason to draw near to the ones we love and perhaps even draw them nearer to Christ Jesus. Who, not, who was not only born for them, but also died for them. Perhaps we can bring them from celebrating the birth of Christ with the exchange of gifts and a, and a nice family meal and bring them to the point where they celebrate his death, his burial, and his resurrection in the waters of baptism and receive from Christ Jesus himself the gift of forgiveness and the Holy Spirit and eternal life. And so, let's tell the truth about Christmas. I'm not afraid to acknowledge the truth about Christmas. It's not the 25th of December. We know that, and yes, it was started in a pagan world, and I'll say to this, that is something that I would not have done, but then I'm looking at 2020 hindsight. And we know absolutely that it is dangerously commercialized. But let's try to see the good too, shall we? Jesus is honored in the world, and Jesus' goodness is reflected in men's attitude in their homes and in society in general. If you don't like Christmas for, if you don't like Christmas rather as a worldwide feast, just think what this world would be like without it. Or worse still, what would the entire world be celebrating? Would they be celebrating the birth of Muhammad or Buddha instead? Well, you want this? Would you prefer this? So let's try to see the cup as half filled rather than half empty in this matter of Christmas, shall we? We as Christians believe that Jesus Christ is God. We believe as Christians that he was born as a man. We believe as Christians he suffered and died on the cross for our sins. We believe as Christians he is our mediator. We, as believe, we believe as Christians he will come back and bring us to heaven. As Christians, love to do good. Love to do good in his name. We as Christians have the blessing of an earthly family as well as the additional privilege of being in God's family. So if there's anyone in the world who should be happy and should rejoice at Christmas time, it is us. We have the best of both worlds. Finally, as Christians, we have the joy of knowing that at this end, rather that at this and every season of the year, we can offer the most precious gift available to our fellow man, and that is the forgiveness of sin and eternal life in heaven with our Lord by teaching him the gospel. Regardless of what you receive this Christmas, you don't have the gift that matters the most unless you've confessed the name of Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior and you have been buried with him in the waters of baptism and then added to the Lord's church.
you know, to get those gifts and have that, that's like having a cake and ice cream too, you know. So this Christmas, simply honor Christ and enjoy the influence of his birth. Some 2,000 years ago, it continues to have an impact on this dark and weary world. And I say to you on behalf of Barbara and my family, Merry Christmas and God bless you. And if you need the prayers of the church at this time, I ask you to respond to the invitation as I encourage you to come forward as we stand and sing. I heard a voice.